Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Scoopy Radio, the area code, on the racetrack, on the plane, on the train, in the kitchen, everywhere you want to be. I am Brandon Scoopy Robinson. Make sure to follow me on Twitter at Scoopy, Instagram, Scoop underscore B, Snapchat, Scoop underscore B. Make sure to subscribe to the Scoopy Radio podcast. Firstly, by visiting ScoopBradio.com. You can also subscribe on Spotify, Google Play, TuneIn app, Stitch app, or Apple Podcasts. Scoopy Radio, last year got 2 million downloads and counting in 2018. And we visit all genres of life. And on the phone right now, we've got a 13-year-old race car driver, Austin Edwards, on the line. What's going on, sir? Not much. What's going on? Man, working my tail off. What goes in the world of a 13-year-old? You don't even have your driver's license yet, but you're you're a race car driver. How does that work? Well, um, I've been racing since I was five years old. Um, the sport's been in my family ever since my grandfather raced back in the 1960s. So, luckily, my dad was able to get me a go-kart at the age of four, and I took off from there, one of my second race ever. And now I'm driving full-size stock cars with 500 horsepower going about 100 miles an hour. That's kind of insane. Who is your grandfather? Um, he was Calvin Edwards. Um, he passed away about 10 years ago. Um you might know, if you know any of the races in my area, you might know um, Gary Edwards. He's my uncle. Then my dad, Tony Edwards. Maybe a couple of my cousins, Jeremy or Brett Edwards. Um, again, it's just been a big thing in my family. So, um, yeah. That's kind of a big deal. Come from a lineage of, of driving and, you know, wanting to do it yourself. And just kind of learning a little bit about just what you do and, and how you do it. You're not a NASCAR driver. You're not right, racing in NASCAR sanctions stuff currently, but at 14, uh, which is, when's your birthday? Uh, early December. Okay. So when you turn 14, you'll be able to do NASCAR sanctioned uh, races. Are you kind of excited and anxious for December to get here? Well, I'm really excited about that. Um, 
NASCAR sanction tracks is basically everything a half mile and over. So then I'll be able to race um, on bigger tracks and more so with the adults because the only place I'm allowed to race against um, adults right now is at my home track, the Orange Show Speedway, because I proved myself there and it's only a quarter mile track. So I'm really looking forward to when I turn 14, I get to go against some of the best races that I've watched since I was little. And um, yeah, NASCAR is going to be really cool too. Um, the first official, official, official series by NASCAR is going to be either ARCA or K&N, and I'm looking forward to that in the next couple of years. Be ready on the line with Austin Edwards talking about racing. And I mean, uh, Ricky Bobby's one of my favorite movies. I'm sure the race car track is nothing like that. What kind of adrenaline rush do you get when you're on that track? Um, racing is, uh, it's hard to explain. It is so many things going on at one time. You're talking, you have this, the, you get this 500 horsepower race car. You're going 100 miles an hour around a third mile or maybe half mile track. You're on eight inch treaded tires. Your car is just held together by a bunch of nuts and bolts. And you're strapped into the seat with a five point harness. You got your fireproof helmet, suit and gloves and shoes on. You're wheeling the car as much as you can while trying to navigate the cars around you, along with uh, keeping an eye on all the temperatures of the engine and any sort of catastrophe that could go out on the track. So I could go on and on, but there is a lot that comes into the adrenaline rush of racing, and that's why it gives you that adrenaline rush. I spoke with Mario Andretti uh, a couple years ago, and uh, you know he's a, he's a veteran in the business. And I remember when I was a kid, I got like a, a I think it was like a Hess truck um, collector car, and then I think somewhere in there there was like a trading cars that came with it. Terry Labonte well, was one of the, the uh, cards that was in there. Dale Earnhardt, obviously, is a legend as well. Who were some of your uh, drivers that you that you either watched video on YouTube or you watched yourself? Who were some of the, the legends that you, you maybe modeled your driving after or you just respect as a driver overall? Um, I'm constantly looking at new drivers and old drivers, just looking for any piece of advice that they could give, whether it be top-notch, which I haven't been able to speak too much yet, or just people on my lo local short tracks. So um, um, a lot of the people that I look forward to uh, uh, up to in NASCAR are starting to retire because if for anyone who has watched NASCAR, they have seen that in the last four or five years, there's been a large sweep of veteran drivers retiring and new guys coming in. So originally, my favorite driver was Jeff Gordon, and then it became Dale Earnhardt, and then they both retired, and I know Jimmy Johnson is going to be out of it soon. Um, so a lot of my favorite drivers are retiring, but um, I, I look up to pretty much all the good traits that I can find in a person and a driver and try to pull from that. But at this moment, I can't really say that I have a favorite driver. Okay, that's it. Scoopy Radio Online talking to Austin Elwood. You're a renaissance man, if you will. Uh, you're 13, uh, but in addition to the racing stuff, uh, you are a keyboard player at your church worship man. Uh, you're a straight-A student, and uh, you also – I uh, have raised over $17,000 for the no-kill animal shelter uh, that you volunteer at. Uh, what made you decide uh, to volunteer at the animal shelter? Um, well, originally my school, um, they require a uh, community service project. So mm -hmm. it was just one of the things that was floating around there. I had just started racing the uh, little bandolero cars. They're kind of the small version of the cars I race now, only with 30 horsepower, but they're still hitting around 80 miles an hour. I was eight years old at the time. Um, so 
actually on my eighth birthday, um, I had asked for supplies to give to the shelter instead of um, present for myself. So from there, I just started racing cars where there's actually a big crowd watching me. And I was able to speak to the crowds and the racers and some businesses and be able to get small donations here and there. And then eventually one race, we raised $3,000 in one night. So from there, it just took off, and now after four years, we're at $17,000, and I'm constantly going down there trying to do whatever I can to help. Um, one of the best things I've been able to do with the shelter is be able to rehabilitate dogs because they come in, and they were either surrendered by their owners or came from a shelter and are scared. So I'm able to work with them and get them more used to people again and be able to get them to go home. So the animals has always been something that's been even my heart, and I hope to be able to keep on um, helping them out throughout my career if it works out. And hopefully... I can uh, spread awareness about the non-kill animal shelters because the non-kill animal shelters basically means that the dogs go to the shelter and they either stay there or go home and stay there until they go home. So hopefully what my goal is is to make a non-profit about um, my website, Quick Spot Support, and be able to um, make more shelters around the country non-kill and be able to spread awareness about this. In the words of DJ Khaled, I like that. I like that. Uh, Austin, that's worked on the line with Scoopy Radio, talking about our volunteering at the animal shelter, raising money, playing the keyboard at his church, and NASCAR coming his way in two blinks of a second. You, um, in your bio, uh, what kind of stuck out to me uh, was that your goal um, is to mentor kids or to get involved uh, in mentoring kids or inspiring kids to follow their dreams. Uh, I think that following your dreams is the most noble act you can do because it takes courage. Being a NASCAR driver is definitely a dream, I'm assuming. What are some of your other dreams? Um, NASCAR has always been, it's always been the dream. I mean, I'm a driver. If you put me in anything with an engine, I'm going to drive it and I'm going to enjoy it. But NASCAR has always been the dream. I don't really have very many other um, ideas of what I would do. I mean, I would love to be a police officer or be able to serve in the military. But um, racing has always been the biggest dream. And in the bio, the thing about being able to mentor kids is um, this path that I'm going on right now, it's very difficult because racing is an expensive sport and it's becoming a pay-to-play to where the kids with lots of money are able to buy their rides and do nothing but drive them. But for me, I'm, we have a family owned business. We don't, we, we, we're not poor by any means. We still have a really good life. It's just, we don't have nearly as many as these other people have. So they're able to buy rides. But what I had to do is I had to balance everything between the shelter, uh, playing keyboards at church and then make it time to work on the cars because it's just me and my dad working on the cars. So, um, what I want to be able to do is if the whole racing career works out like I hope that it will, I want to be able to make it to NASCAR and to be able to help kids out that um, may have the talent but maybe don't have the money to be able to make it through up to the top of the ranks. Austin, you said something uh, key worth there. You said the pay-to-play NASCAR culture. For those who may be a little tardy to the party, can you explain that? what that means? So, um, again, a NASCAR is a expensive sport. There's a lot of technology that's becoming to go into the cars. Um, 
there are teams that buy their own cars, work on them themselves, and do all the work to them themselves, and then go to the racetrack and race it. That's what I do. And then there are the big money teams, which have absolute top-notch equipment. They rent the cars for thousands of dollars a race and just go out there and drive it and don't have to work on it at all. And if they crash it, they're able to pay to fix it. So pay-to-play is those drivers who don't have to do much or I wouldn't say much, but as much work as some of us uh, grassroots racers do. So that's basically the um, overview of the pay-to-play. Arthur Edwards, a.k.a. First Place Ace, on the line with Scoopy Radio. You can follow him on Instagram at First Place Ace. How did you get that name, First Place Ace? Um, well, again, since I had... Um began racing over hard to five. I won my second race ever. And in those first three years, I was one of the absolute best drivers and going on the bandos after a couple of years, I was really good in those. And then I had just, I had won a lot of races. Um, not so much recently, but we're finally starting to get our stuff back together. So that just became my name. Plus, um, my initials is, um, Austin Charles Edwards. So ACE, I'm the first place ACE. Simple and sweet, man. Scoopy Radio talking with Austin Edwards. What are some of the things that you like to do other than racing and, and looking after pets? What, are, what do you like to do for fun? You're 13. I'm, I'm sure you like music. You like going out and hanging out with your friends. Um, it's been a while since I've been able to do a few of these things, but I've always gone out to um, sand dunes for my birthday and been able to ride my quad around. I really enjoy that. Um Whenever we're able to go out to the river and just relax on a boat, again, haven't gotten to do that in a couple of years. And then it really has been a good four or five years since I've been able to go skiing. But I've always been, I've always liked skiing. And, of course, being that I'm a race car driver, I like to go fast and I crash a lot. But that's still one of my favorite things to do. So, <laughs> again, anything that I can go fast in, I pretty much like to do. <laughs> Scoopy Radio. Scoopy Radio talking with Austin. That was Thursday nights at 5 and 8 p.m. Pacific time. You can catch Austin and the Junior Late Model Racers on, uh, is it Mav TV? It's Mav TV, yes. Mav TV channel 214 on Direct TV. It's currently reaching 100,000 households per week and growing rapidly. And these TV ratings bring in new opportunities for the class track and these young drivers. What's the reception like with your classmates? Are they, do they look at you as a movie star? What's it like in school? Um, everyone knows that I um, am a race car driver, and I'm the only one at my school that really is. But they all make a big deal about it, and I don't really want them to make a big deal about it. I like being just to be another average kid for a few hours while I'm at school. Um, I mean, obviously, anytime there's a reference that comes to cars, period, they always look at me and go, okay, this is your thing. Um, the last time that it really became a big deal was in fifth grade when I gave a presentation on grit to um, my entire school. Um, but that was the last time that there was really a big deal about it. They treat me like normal, and I like that. I like it. You, uh, it says you began your truck racing at the age of nine, competing in a full-size vehicle at tracks located in Blythe and Madeira. I mean, when you got in a car for the first time, was your mother nervous? Um, the last time that I well remember seeing my mom so nervous was when I um 
had just started the Bandoleros um, racing at Irwindale Speedway on the small track. And unfortunately, they had us race at the time where the sun was directly in our eyes going into the first turn. So someone spun and I couldn't see them. And I was at full speed, just hit them head on, did a barrel roll, landed on my wheels. Um, but when it comes to the uh, the truck, the Southwest Tour truck, um, that's still something that we look back on and think that we were a little bit crazy for. But, um, sure. yeah, I was nine years old. I got into this full-size 300-horsepower Southwest Tour truck and started racing against the adults. Um, unfortunately, I only got to do three races in them because we started having problems with the truck. But shortly after that, I got into the Junior Late Model Series. So one good thing about that is that I got used to the um, – the full-size car feeling compared to the cars that I raced before. So it was crazy that I raced it at that young, but it gave me a little bit of a jump start to be able to have more experience going into the Junior Late Model Series. So apparently you can drive a boat, a tractor, or a tow truck. Are you self-taught? Um, I've I've driven tractors, and that's something that came to me easy. Um, tow trucks, oh my goodness. I've been working tow trucks since I was two years old. In fact, there's a video of me. I'm two years old, and I'm loading my dad's stock car onto a flatbed to be able to go racing one time. So um, tow trucks is what our family-owned business is. So it's something that I've always done, and it's something that I'm just familiar with. And, um, yeah, for the boat, when we went out to the river, I started learning how to do that. A little bit weird not having any grip, but, I mean, yeah, I've again, anything with an engine, I'm telling you, I will drive it. So I guess my follow-up question is that, is that pretty normal for for race car drivers who are household names? They're driving at a young age. Me coming from the basketball background, the only person I can remember, like Tim Duncan, who didn't start really playing basketball until after he was swimming. Um, and then he kind of picked it up. I think Joel Embiid, who plays for the Philadelphia 76ers, I think he picked it up later in life. Is that common for race car drivers to be basically driving since they came out the womb? Um, it's different, um, as time goes on. Um, a lot of the drivers in NASCAR right now didn't start until they were 20 years old, like you said, that basketball player was. But nowadays that they're looking for younger and younger talent and you're getting younger and younger people into these cars. So when I was two years old, you know, I'm driving my power wheels at full speed and I hit the handbrake in parallel parking between two other little cars. So it's gotten younger and younger and younger and, um, yeah, I don't I don't know how much younger it could get, but the sport is definitely getting younger as we go. Also, I was checking in with Scoop B Radio, a 2010 Kit Car Champion at Adams Motorsports Park, uh, 2011 Summer Shootout Champion at Adams Motorsports Park, 2012 SoCal Sprinters Champion, and you've had other accomplishments like the 2015 uh, Bondolero Overall Champion, 2017 Youngest Poland Race Winner in many stocks, at the Orange Show Speedway, and in 2016 and 2017, the Madeira Speedway, Junior Late Model, third place in championship. So far, all the awards that you've won, favorite so far is? Um, I would have to say the mini stock race at the Orange Show Speedway, if not the race that I won at Madeira Speedway a couple years ago. Um, at Madeira Speedway, I was only 11 years old. It was only the second race, and we were just getting used to the series, and the win was completely unexpected. And from there, we've known so many people at the racetrack, and so many good memories have come from it, and hopefully we can get back in the winner's circle again there soon. But the mini stock at the Orange Show Speedway was a really special one because, again, my family had been racing there since the 1960s. Mm-hmm. And what I had done is I had made history becoming the youngest to set fast time and win in the mini stock division. So making history at a track that already had so much history behind it and that my family had already been at for so long was really special to me.
man, I think if this racing pitting thing doesn't work out, I think being a journalist or uh, an analyst might work out because you you, put, you you definitely preview my next question. I was going to ask you, uh, this would make you the youngest to win at the blue quarter of a mile track uh, if you're able to pull it off at over Madeira. Uh, I guess uh, you're competing against uh, adults at the Orange Show. Are they intimidated by you? Um, at the Orange Show, I'm very humbled by the promoter who allowed me to race there after I proved myself two years before. Um, last year was the first real race that I had done. It was 100 laps. I was the youngest in the field by at least 10 years. So I'm 12 years old. It's 100 laps. And by the last lap, I was running in second. And then, unfortunately, a dirty move moved me back to fifth. And then after the disqualifications, third. But from there, I've gone there. And they've raced me pretty clean. But Orange Show is only a quarter mile. There's not a lot of room. And there is known to be a lot of um, aggressiveness at that track. So this last time I raced, there they did kind of get the best of me and when it comes to the people i race against i don't really know if they're intimidated by me i mean they have years and years and years of experience and i'm just glad that they allow me to race against them it's really really cool what do you hate more eating vegetables or losing can i pick both (laughs) (laughs) okay tell me more um losing is it it sucks, but it's very common. I mean, usually, in fact, in the top NASCAR ranks, you're going against around 40 other drivers, so it's a small chance that you're going to win, um, even if you have your equipment at top notch. There are other teams that are going to. So losing is something that you kind of get used to after a little while. The only time that it's really frustrating is if someone took you out for it when you could have won or something breaks or if you were going to and then something happens. Um, but losing is something that happens to a lot of people. And if you win a lot of races, you're either extremely good or just have top-notch equipment that never falls apart. So losing is something that you learn to get used to after time. Who in Hollywood do you look up to? What stars, child stars do you like? If you can relate to their story or someone who's more established, or those people you watch? Um, <laughs> I don't really sit down on the TV very much, so I – couldn't unfortunately say that I know very many people, but I did hear your story about how you had started really young. So I think it's really cool what you had done and how hard you worked over time. I tell you one thing: you you get extra credit for for uh, schmoozing um, here on the Scoopy Radio podcast. Um, I asked you about vegetables. What are foods that you actually do enjoy uh, consuming? Um, I enjoy, I mean, I'll eat lots of things. I'll eat cheeseburgers, I'll eat Mexican food, I'll eat Chinese food, I'll eat, I'll eat a lot of stuff, um, and I'll eat fruits of all kind, but for some reason, vegetables is just nothing that I'm fond of, um, but I'm going to learn to like it pretty soon because, um, getting into these higher ranks, the races are longer, require more endurance, and I'm already handling it fine right now, but I'm only doing 75 to 100 lap races, so... Pretty soon, that's something I'm going to have to deal with. But for right now, yeah, I'm going to stick to um, fruits and other foods. I like it. Fruits, some veggies, racing. You're creating a, a healthy balance between following your dreams and eating well, man. Austin, thank you so much for joining Scoopy Radio. For people who are listening, how can they learn more about you and your journey? You can go to my uh, website at quickpause.support to learn more about the charities that I'm doing and what I want it to be. And then you can follow me on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter at First Place Ace. 
that right there is huge, getting me followers. It allows sponsors to see more followers and getting sponsors of what's going to get me to these next few ranks. So anyone listening, if you, again, if you can follow me on Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter at First Place Ace, that is huge. You can keep an eye on how my racing career is going and sometimes some pictures of cute dogs when I stop by the animal shelter. I like it. Total package. Ace, thank you for joining Scoopy Radio, man. Awesome. Thanks for happening. Scoopy Radio. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.